0: Hello. Hi. Hi, Emily. Hi. We sure are back again. Episode 97. Mm. Um, I saw you yesterday. Yes. We drank too much gin. We did. I'm really glad that what you didn't bring today was gin.
1: I almost Frustrated. did.
0: You did? Almost? Almost. I also have some gin. I considered being like, do you want a martini? No, um, not a martini. I was going to do French 75s. Oh, that's right. I learned about the existence of a French 75 last night, yeah. Emily's favorite drink. I love French 75s. I didn't know Gin, what it was.
1: Champs. Champs. Some lemon. That sounds good. Sounds some Simple syrup. Sounds really classy. Yes. Ooh. And normally there's like a lemon twist of the peel
0: as a garnish. Oh, I like that. Maybe we should think about that for like New Year's. That sounds yeah, like a very that's New Year's. That's what thing. I
1: was like. I was going to the store. I'm like, I could do French 75s, and then Ugh. I was
0: like, No, 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 no. Waiting. Those are perfect for New Year's. Yeah, you're so right. I think that's good. Instead, you brought us something that's going to be a little bit easier on Familiar,
1: really, which something I appreciate. Familiar. Yeah, because this is already going to be hard enough.
0: <laughs> you are trying to punish me. No. Uh, in my taste buds as well as my ears. Correct. Good. Yeah, this is um this is gonna be punishment for everyone who doesn't remember. Uh Emily's doing a three parter. Okay. And I think this is probably Oh shit! <laughs> I didn't see the fireball. No. Okay. Yeah. So I think this is probably the worst of your three parters. Like yes. the last one was pretty rough. This one's gonna be way rougher. Yes. I assume. This is going to be the worst. And then the Kent State one, while while still shitty, will be like a walk in the fucking park.
1: Comparatively, yes.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: 1.7 million people dead versus four, quite a difference. Still horrible,
0: but uh, pretty fucking different on a like, scale. Yeah, if we're if we're doing scales here, I'm taking a pick. Do it. Good. I um I love the colors of these two things together. Yeah. Um, we've got the reds. Very um, fall. Yeah, very fall. We've got reds, hard apple, peach. Mm-hmm. So it's hard apple, but it's also peach. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's both. It's good. Yeah. Um. And then we have and then we have fireball as as we are want to do. Yeah. What are we are we doing any fireball? Um are we do waiting on the fireball? It's up to you. Do you think we'll need it all for your story? So for
1: my story, I do have two harp noises built in already. Oh,
0: God. Okay. At least just, I appreciate like the check-in. Check-in. We'll yep. just do a check-in with each other. Yep. And I'll be doing Taylor check-ins. <laughs> oh, no. It's the worst kind. It's way different than the Emily the checks. These are just, yep. how emotionally damaged are you and, and do you need a minute? Yes. Um, I appreciate that. Maybe the listener will also need a minute. I mean, that's yep. that's what this these are for. So. Yeah.
1: I need you to gauge for the listener,
0: also Emily doesn't know that I did this, but I promise not to do it this time. Which is that I put banana phone in the actual podcast last episode. I didn't get any complaints, so I appreciate that. <laughs> so that's near the harp noise, and then it like it goes at, <laughs> when we when we're done, it goes out into our theme, and that builds back into banana phone. Just so <laughs> you know. I'm not going to do that this time. We're serious harp noises only. <laughs> I The funniest thing is I consider not mentioning that at all and you would never know <laughs> because you, you wouldn't listen to it. <laughs> I want a divorce. <laughs> no, <it> too brute. <laughs> I'm jk-ing. That might make some people think that I'm like getting divorced. No, i not. <laughs> we were just joking about um, how if I I ruined any of this equipment that's actually my husband's, that he would probably divorce me, and I would think that was fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I believe I am first. You are. Great, fabulous. I'm gonna just like a little somehow I'm cleansing the palette before the palate has had anything. Yeah. Um I'm just gonna I'm gonna give us a cutesy little story Do um, it. that I just kind of found funny. Um and and then Emily's gonna wreck our lives. Uh cheers. Oh god, that was the fireball. That shit's refreshing. It's good. Okay, it's not I too like sweet, it. it's mostly just crisp. Yeah. So good. Okay. Crisp. Crisp. (laughs) So, all right. Our survivor's name is Casey Hathaway. Hi, Casey. Yeah. It is January 2019. Mm. So very recently. Very recently. Very. It is 1 p.m. And Casey is a three-year-old boy. Oh, no. I know. Who is visiting his grandparents in New Bern, North Carolina. Okay. Okay. About 100 miles southeast of Raleigh, which is, like, the only place in North Carolina that anyone knows about, evidently. True. When we're going outside of, like, 100 miles to explain where something is, there's not a lot of landmarks in that no. state. Um, <laughs> it's winter, um, but there isn't any snow on the ground. again. Like, we're kind of in the south, basically. But it does get pretty cold at night right now. Like, it's in the dead of winter, straight up January, so... Um, Casey is outside, though, playing with two other children. I think they're his cousins. Mm. I know. It's, like, nice enough outside that you can still be out there in your little little cute little jacket. Um, The house is in a super rural area, um, surrounded on most sides by, like, farmland and then, like, dense woods. Like, they, I've seen a picture of the land, and it's, it's, like, off a county road that's off another Mm -hmm. county road that's off another Mm -hmm. county road. Just middle of nowhere type of shit. Woods everywhere. Yeah. Um, And at one point they're all outside and then the kids come inside and their grandma looks up from whatever she's doing and she sees that there's only two of them Uh-oh. who have come inside. And she's like, oh, uh, okay, where's Casey? And she goes outside and she doesn't see him. And she calls his name a few times and he doesn't come. And he's just gone. So she instantly is like mobilizing whoever else is in the, in the house besides yep. the kids. And is like, all right, we got to go find Casey. Let's go. Take a look in the woods. And they end up searching for 45 minutes and they don't find him. Oh shit. We've done stories of children like disappearing. Kids just seem to be they have a knack for just yeah, being gone. Like for having instantly.
1: such short legs. Right. They can really move.
0: They can really move and they're just a so little yeah. like to be very real, like, I think I mentioned, yeah, I do. Um, Casey is two foot three inches tall, and he weighs 25 pounds. Oh he my is God. a very small kid. I actually yeah. have a picture of him because it was really cute, and he's really oh cute. No. And he's wearing his little blue jacket that he's wearing it, when this actually happens. Hold on.
1: Oh, that's a little, little jacket.
0: He's really little, and he's just, he's just gone. And so his family looks for about 45 minutes, and then they call the police. Yep. And like I heard some of the nine one one call, it wasn't like super frantic, but um, I think it's the grandfather says I lost my three year old grandson. He was walking in the woods out there, and we can't find him. Now, the police take this pretty seriously, pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean obviously they sh- should always yeah. do that when a kid is missing, and they do it here, which is great. Low bar. Um, yeah, they they launch a search right away. Getting out there in the woods behind the house. Now, nobody actually saw Casey walk away. Like, this hmm. is an assumption that he walked into the woods. They just believe that must be what happened. Yeah. But he also could have gone in any direction. The kids themselves who came who were outside, they were like, he wasn't gone when he came in. Mm. So they don't know where he is at all.
1: And I mean, they would have noticed a car.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's the thing with, like, the county roads. Yeah, like, they're probably pretty deserted. Like, yeah. you would know if somebody just yeah. came up. And it's not likely that someone walks through the woods, grabs a child, and walks away. Right. The police do say, like, they're not ruling anything out. There could be the possibility of some sort of abduction, some sort of third party. They just don't think that's very likely, which I agree with. Um, But they just don't know which direction he wandered off in. So it's, like, acres upon acres of woods that they suddenly have to search. They put out this call. Um, Just to the press, like they just tell the public, like, by the way, we have a missing child. We think this is where he might be, whereabouts. Um, Like I've mentioned in the past, like they do, they take the the child's size and age into account and think of how far he could have possibly gotten and they kind of create a search area from that. And... So they get working right away, then within hours, like there are hundreds of volunteers coming in from all over town and the area, just people just combing the woods and they're you have to like you can't just like let people do that. You they, you have to coordinate them. Yeah. So there's like a certain number of people that go yeah. into a certain area and it's all a grid search. Yeah, yeah. You have to be super thorough yeah. and know where you've already searched so you're not wasting time. Um And they, they end up getting so many people that they have to start turning them away because they're like, we can't, we don't have enough coordinators to, to figure out where you should go next. So you guys can't go. The other thing is that they label this like treacherous terrain. Mm. It's not just a woods. It's like, creeks and uh, like you have to wait up to water up to your waist like in some places. There's sinkholes and shit. Oh Yeah like this is a dangerous area and you can't just have people wandering around willy nilly. They're gonna get lost. Yeah, Like oh my god I actually would love to find a story where someone is searching for someone else and they too get lost. Oh god. That would be so like that's the nightmare. So there's a bunch of people out there and they search all day. Like I said he disappeared at one. They search into the night and they find nothing and they know that he's in this like pretty dangerous area they know that it's cold and it gets pretty cold at night like down to freezing temperatures um the wind is not great it's drizzling rain like this is a really small kid so they're all like oh my god he's gonna get hypothermia he's gonna die Mm -hmm. like we gotta Mm -hmm. they search for as long as they can into the night using flashlights but like it's dangerous enough that after a while they're like all volunteers, especially the people who aren't authorities, have to come back. Like, we're not... You can't be out there right now. It's not safe. Um, and then the next day, it's, like, downpouring rain. It's cold. For some reason, like, people go missing and the weather's shitty. Like, that's yeah. just the way yeah. it is. It can't be, like, a nice, crisp No, 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 day. no, 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 no. No. <laughs> no. So it's rainy. It's windy the entire time. Um, and they actually don't allow civilian volunteers to come back and do the search. They have enough... Um, professionally trained search and rescue people that they're like these are the ones who are gonna go out there it's not safe Um, by this point they've got helicopters and the Marine Corps and NCIS and the FBI yeah and the State uh, Investigation Bureau they're all involved the FBI <laughs> was like, we've got some people. Do you need some people? <laughs> and and then they've got canine units out. I'm
1: thrown not only by the FBI, but NCIS also getting involved. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, was
0: Grandpa in the Navy? <laughs> I wonder. I, I, like, the Marine Corps, too? Yeah. Like, like, maybe they did have some sort yeah. of connection. Like, some familial thing. I don't know. It doesn't say. It just said, like, all of these groups were in the area willing to help. And they've got canine units out. And unfortunately, the this is a quote from Sheriff Chip Hughes. His name is Chip. Mm. We love that about him. That's the um, only thing we love about him. Just a full-grown man named Chip, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he also seems like he's a fairly decent human being, at least in this specific case sure. and for this purpose. Sure. So um. he says, once we got the canines in there, so many people before we got there walked through that area and disturbed the ground. So the dogs never pick up a scent. No, they don't even get close. Um, that's kind of the other crappy thing about when you've got hundreds of people searching is like you're messing with the area. Yeah. So the dogs don't do much, but they do. They do cover more ground on this day. They are having people wade through water in creeks and streams to get and they're like there's no fucking way this kid got over here because of the creeks and stuff. How would he ever? He's so little. And and yet they keep going cuz they're like it's possible, whatever. It's possible. By this point they're like he has to be moving around. There's no way he's in one spot. We would have fucking found him by now. So they the The search area doesn't really have a focus. They've just widened it to where they believe that he could have gotten within a full day now, and they search for a whole another day into the night. Have to call it off as it's getting freezing out. It's a second night. They don't even know the last time he had food or water before he disappeared. So like, they're like, this this kid is this is not good. The more time goes by, the the less hope everybody has of finding him alive. So um, they start getting tips in from people. They get a ton of tips from people just like having seen, heard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, if you have the manpower, you look into it, at least. If it sounds credible and you can, you'll look into tips. And somebody, one of the neighbors in this area, sends in a tip that the night before she'd been walking her dog and she heard a child crying in the woods. Which, to me, is just fucking creepy, for one thing. I'd be like, oh, shit. So she calls the cops. And they sort of... The third day, they focus their search in that area. Just where she sort of said she heard somebody crying. And there it's another miserable, rainy, cold day. And they have to, like, wade through more fucking water and avoid, like, treacherous holes and shit like that. And finally... They come up over this little ridge and they see a little boy in a blue jacket and he's stuck in some brambles. Like he's just stuck in like a bush full of thorns and it's Casey and he has been calling out for his mom. Like they heard him right before they found him and he was only about like 40 or 50 yards from where the woman said she heard him. So she probably did hear him. Wow. It was him. So Chip, the sheriff, I'm just calling him Chip now. (sighs) Would later state that, again, he he had to go through some really weird terrain to get to Casey. And that when they found him, his clothes were absolutely soaked to the bone. He was wearing all of his clothes still, but he was like 100% wet. And he had gotten himself so stuck in this like thorny bush that they had to like carefully extricate him out of it. Like he was straight up stuck. But he's fine. Like he's talking. He talks to them. He is very cold, but mm. he's not... Hypothermic comatose. He doesn't. He doesn't have pneumonia or like whatever you would think a kid would have when stuck out for three days and two nights in the in the cold, in like freezing cold. And he's and he's just such a little skinny little bugger. Like how? So he's found without hypothermia. He they do say though that his core body temperature is like quite low, um, and his his fingers were starting to show signs of frostbite. Mm. Um, he was without food or water for three days, but otherwise fine. They get into the hospital. His family's there. They make a statement thanking everybody who came out to the search and saying that he is, he's honestly fine. And that he's talking, um, they, they don't have a good explanation. Nobody does like reporters ask the parents, ask the police, like, what do you think happened? Like, how did you find him where he was? How would he have gotten to where he was and how was he okay? And they were like, I don't know, man. Um, The police themselves ask, they talk to Casey, but they give him a few days, obviously. And they're like, he's three. What the fuck is he going to tell us?
1: It was cold. Yeah. Cold. Wanted to go home.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Missed my mom. Scary. Yeah. So they don't talk to him right away, but they start hearing these things from Casey's family that he mentioned uh, to them the reason why I did this story which is that Casey tells his family that he was saved by a bear. (laughs) Emily's face right now. For once, the bear is not the aggressor in this story. (laughs) No one is surviving a bear encounter. This may or may not have happened. I'll talk about that in a second. But supposedly a bear saved this child. (laughs) Just off the bat, how does that make you feel?
1: I have so many questions.
0: <laughs> Same. So many questions. Same. Chip was also like, what the fuck? Are you sure? Yeah. So this is a quote from a deputy at the sheriff's office. Um, quote, he made a comment about having a friend while he was in the woods. His friend was a bear. In the emergency room, he started talking about what happened in the woods. And he said he had a friend that was a bear while he- that was with him while he was in the woods. That's- and that's all they have. It's just he said, like, yep, my friend the bear sure did fucking help me. It doesn't explain exactly, like, how did this bear just, like, keep him warm? Did this bear help him traverse areas? (laughs) Did this bear give him food? He doesn't say anything specific. He just says, I had a friend, and he was a bear. So a few days after recovering in the hospital, quote, eating Cheetos and nuggets and watching Paw Patrol, good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living his best three-year-old life. So good. Way to go. Cheetos, uh, Nuggies, and Paw Patrol. Yeah, that's. I mean, like honestly, I want to be doing that right now. I want to eat Cheetos and Nuggies and watch Paw Patrol. Yeah, that's a three-year-old dream. It sounds fucking awesome. So, he he tells after that he's recovered a bit. So the authorities finally talk to him, just to be like, "Hey, buddy, like, what happened?" And he was he's like, "Bear, <laughs> bear." I, I walked away. I was cold. I wanted to go home, and I I saw Bear. He was my friend. That's he tells the same story, but it's all he's got. He didn't say how he was able to survive and all that. Craven County Sheriff Chip Hughes tells the news. He said, he did say that he had a friend in the woods that was a bear that was with him. That's it. <laughs> Again. Now, I wasn't really able to find any follow-up with Casey, which is actually, like, people who, you know that was talked about on YouTube. You oh, know absolutely. It is. This is some missing 411 shit. Yeah. Like, people are really a little bit over the top about it, to be honest, I think. Um, but... There is no follow-up. Like, there's a an article I found the a year later uh, just about the sheriff being like, yeah, I went to go visit Casey's four now. And it was really nice because I was worried about him and we found him and it was good. Like, that's the story. I
1: need to... I gotta Google something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do bears act mm. differently? I. Do you have that? I have a quote. So theories abound on this story and they did talk to some animal experts. Like, different news sources were like, Hey, people who know stuff about bears, does this fucking happen? And this is a quote from um, Chris Servine, who is a bear researcher at the University of Montana. he says, quote, wild bears aren't friends with people. I don't want to say that he's not telling the truth. He obviously thinks he's seen things and maybe he's got a teddy bear at home. But I've seen no evidence that anything like this has ever happened. He basically goes on to be like, bears, no matter your size, are afraid of you. If they get aggressive, it is out of fear or territorial stuff. But this is a black bear, that, like, based on the area. Mm. and yeah, black I was going to say,
1: grizzlies aren't afraid of shit. Okay. Yeah,
0: yes. absolutely. A lot of the stories we've told about bears being aggressive are grizzly bears. Grizzlies. I think there's, like, the one time that it was a black bear, and yeah. we still don't... That's a freaking counter, and we still don't know what happened. Yeah. But, like that like normally they're not predatory they don't they don't want to eat a human they would rather stay away because yeah. he he literally says like this is a natural selection thing like you approach a human you get shot you die so mm-hmm. the ones that are willing to do that don't stick around so bears avoid humans and it it I, there's no reason why this bear would mistake him for a cub or anything like cubs that cubs aren't blue no right cubs are not blue and hairless (laughs) I think a bear can tell by smell alone you would know like this isn't a bear (laughs) this is not
1: your baby this is not your cub
0: yeah um there's a lot of of quotes that talk about this being a miracle though like nobody has any idea his parents his aunt his like the sheriff himself like everybody's just like I don't know man it's by the grace of God like this is I have no idea why he was so okay and the sheriff does say, like, I thought it was a very cute story. And if that's what helped that child survive through this, you know what? I'm going to embrace that story that came from a three-year-old to his mom to us. So he's not taking it overly seriously, but I think he does. He's just like, yeah, sure. Whatever this kid says. And there is an interview with his mom, too. She's like, if he says he was with a bear, then he was with a bear. I have no reason not to believe him. <laughs> so people just be, just be about it. It's fine. It's fine. I think mostly a lot of people are, like, these are pretty religious people on the whole. We're talking about the South. Mm. So they're all just like, yeah, I don't know. Something was watching over him. God was watching over him. God don't got time. You, right? God has Anyways, shit to do. Yeah. God's uh, busy. <laughs> but, you know, people on the internet uh, are convinced there's some weird shit going sure. on. Sure. They think it's weird that the FBI was involved. Yes. They think it's weird that he just disappeared so quickly. Um There are YouTube videos. I did watch one about like the strange circumstances surrounding his disappearance and also the fact that he wasn't in much worse condition. Um, The police actually had to come out and be like, we do not believe there's a rumor going around. We do not believe this, that Casey was abducted, kept somewhere for a couple of days and dropped off in the woods based on his body temperature alone. We don't think that that's the case. So please stop talking about it. But people legitimately thought that was a thing. Yeah, that like he was being kept, and then he was just dropped off in the woods because everyone was looking for him there. It's fair. Um, he mentions nothing like that. No, like Casey doesn't like, have anything. to say. If he had been
1: kidnapped, that I,
0: like a three-year-old mm-hmm. can articulate that, right? Like a man came. Yes. Yeah. You would you would not think bear unless like I mean honestly I guess it's even more likely that he would. Be abducted, have terrible memories, and then conflate that into a a bear story rather than a bear actually helping him.
1: (laughs) Has anyone proposed the
0: theory that the bear was actually like a Sasquatch? Oh, my God. I love you so fucking much. (laughs) This my last bit of notes is just a YouTube comment that I just copy fucking pasted. Because, okay, a lot of people have a lot of theories, and then there's this fucking guy. (laughs) So Southside Johnny on YouTube says, The child was taken and cared for by a female Sasquatch. She moved around to avoid the searchers. The child could not have reached this location without having been carried above waist-deep water and returned to within one quarter mile of his last known position to be found. People do believe that this is a Sasquatch situation, 100%. A female one at that. Which to me is just some heteronormative bullshit. It's like, oh, because it's nurturing, it yeah. had to be a female Sasquatch.
1: Because we know so much about Sasquatch behaviors. Yeah, you know, to this make guy's, that
0: determination that it was
1: a female Sasquatch. This
0: guy's a real yetiologist. <laughs> <laughs> He absolutely understands the behavior of the Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking can't. Do they even have Sasquatch? North I got, Carolina. I got to think that's got to Like, for me, when I think about Sasquatch, I think about, like, Montana or, like, West Virginia. But I bet. I bet there's Sasquatch sightings, Yes, there are. <laughs> of course, dude.
1: Female ones? And then... I don't know, but uh, November 10th, 2021, Bigfoot, no. Creature roaming this county in North Carolina is a bear.
0: <laughs> so we've got it both ways. We've yeah. got people mistaking bears for Sasquatches and sasquashes for bears. We've got- <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. So either way, what I'm hoping, you know, this was 2019, so that kid's like five now. I'm really mm-hmm. hoping as he grows up- He launches a YouTube channel and decides to talk about his encounter with the Sasquatch and just really ride on that. Hopefully, TikTok's still around so he can have a story time on TikTok. Exactly. So, honestly, that's my story. (laughs) Like that, that's it. It's a cute little guy. I really hope it was a Sasquatch. I really hope it was a Sasquatch, too. Mostly, I'm just really glad that Casey is okay. Yeah. Um, and that so many people came out to search for him. And that, like, yeah, if something really did help him, like, what a magical fucking cool. Disney tale you've yeah. got for your life. So good for you, Casey. Probably wasn't a bear. Probably, probably wasn't a bear, to be very honest. But probably, most likely, wasn't a fucking Sasquatch either. <laughs> Um. Yeah. I mean, do you do you just want to let it ride and hear yeah, your heart noises? Let's go. Let's do go. this. Let's go. I do want to like only pause briefly because I'm going to blow my nose. How dare you? All right. I'm ready. We just we've opened the fireball. Yes. We're, we're prepared. I I don't know if you want coordinated fireball drinkage or if I'm allowed to just do. You a sip are of this.
1: allowed. I will drink when you drink. How about that? I How love about that. You
0: dictate. I love that when us. it is fire time. I love that for us. I'm having a little bit of reds just to start.
1: Yeah. All right, so,
0: oh god, oh god,
1: oh god, oh god. As we've discussed, Mm -hmm. this one is not going to be happy or light. This is not something to listen to right now if you're in a very bad headspace because it is heartbreaking. But it is an important conversation to have. We have to learn from the uncomfortable parts of history to better ourselves and be advocates to ensure history doesn't repeat.
0: Yes, yes, yes. It's important to know these things, even if they suck to know. Yes.
1: Trigger warnings for this. I do discuss mass murder. This is genocide.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing else to call it.
1: There is torture. I'm not doing any in-depth descriptors. A few bits are in survivor quotes and contextually important. Sure. But otherwise, the litany of other shit has been cut out. I'm not
0: doing that. That's kind of you.
1: (laughs) A very, very, very nondescript mention of medical experimentation, starvation, and humans being absolute trash with a partially unsatisfying ending for most who were responsible for all of this shit. Mm. Mm. So,
0: okay, yeah. When we get to like the torture part, I will give another warning. Good call, much appreciated. Yeah, like while we think it's important that people know this, if if you're like someone who's triggered by these things, you should not have to endure that. No. So. Okay. Oh god. Emily is like literally mentally preparing her own ass, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm over here terrified. (laughs) So
1: quick reminder: Khmer Rouge ruled Cambodia under leadership of the Marxist dictator Pol Pot. From 1975 to 1979, this is part of what the argument that this was. In fact, genocide is from a lot of the experts. Pol Pot was trying to create a Cambodian master race. Did he say that? Yes. That's enough for me.
0: Yep. (laughs) Like,
1: that's literally Hitler shit. Yep. Through social engineering, which then ultimately led to the deaths of more than two million people. Two million? Yes. Jesus Christ. So those that were killed were either executed as enemies of the regime, died from starvation, disease, or just literally being worked to death. Fucking A. Yeah. So although Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge didn't come to power until the mid-1970s, thanks Operation Menu, Mm-hmm. It can be traced back to the 60s. Communist insurgency. North Korea wasn't
0: helping. Sure. Cambodia was like, Yes. There's lots of reasons it exists. Yeah. And it just gains power because we start carpet bombing Cambodia. Yeah.
1: And before Cambodia was ruled by a monarch, the bombings destabilized the government, helped further the Khmer Rouge campaign of getting people on board.
0: You want to be on board because th- yes. we're not bombing you. Yeah. That's it. Like, we're that's not what bombing we
1: you. We can keep you safe. Look yeah. how awful the U.S. is. This is what democracy looks like. Yeah. We can change this. Don't you want to be equal with everyone else? 1968, mm-hmm. Pol Pot launches his insurgency of like, hey, you know what? We're going to make it a year zero. And he wanted to build an agrarian socialist utopia. Now, Every
0: time someone wants to do that, it's bad. <laughs> it's not good, guys. Okay. He's with turning an the emphasis clock
1: yeah, on decentralization and non-state forms of collective ownership. Locally focused. Very traditional.
0: And he but and he wants to be in charge of a thing that is decentralized, which doesn't make a lot yes. of sense. But okay.
1: So <laughs> the emphasis of the agrarian socialists is therefore like social control, ownership, utilization of land, rather than other means of productions or by the national state.
0: Okay. So they're almost like now, no no government whatsoever.
1: This is all
0: an illusion. Oh because, sure.
1: Let's be clear the Khmer Rouge was highly autocratic totalitarian, xenophobic, paranoid, and repressive. Yes,
0: this is what I'm saying. So they can't be
1: communists.
0: No, this is always a lie. Yes. They're pretending they want power for the people. They never want that. No. They want power for them. They want the illusion of power for the people. Because that makes people less likely to rise up against them anyway.
1: Yes. So the bombings happen. Operation Menu starts March 18th of 1969. The timing is perfect. Pol Pot is just starting up Khmer Rouge of like, yeah, all right, no, we want to do this year zero. We want to get this going. Thank you for giving us these weapons to destabilize everything even further. Right. So 1973 to 1974, Khmer Rouge controls most of Cambodia at this point. um, And city dwellers are being forcibly moved out to the countryside. So they're clearing out the cities.
0: Interesting. They're literally not letting people live in centralized areas. Correct.
1: April of 1975, Khmer Rouge formally captures the capital
0: of Cambodia. That has no fucking people in it.
1: <laughs> that still had people in it, because <laughs> sure. it was, like, the biggest
0: the part. Sure, hard to part. move everybody out of yeah. there. Yeah, so like they
1: worked from the outside in. Sure. Weird. So 1976, they started dividing citizens into three categories.
0: Oh no. Which
1: is interesting since communism is supposed to be classless. Right. Like That's again the whole thing.
0: This is not communism. They're not asking no. for that. They're lying. <laughs>
1: and the thing is, like, these categories determine the food rations, which is also not no. communism. It's
0: supposed to be to each according to his Correct. need, motherfucker. <laughs> God damn it. What are the three categories? I'm mean, gonna hate them. Uh so
1: urban residents.
0: Let's see
1: oh yeah because I tried to find the categories and it wouldn't give it to me but urban residents landowners former army officers bureaucrats and merchants fell into an undeserved category undeserved yes and faced execution starvation and hard labor wow it's like you
0: had too much power in the former system we don't want you here and
1: all religion and money was banned and the genocide was underway money yes they we, literally took all the money. We ban money. <laughs> we ban money. Money doesn't exist Correct. in zero. So wow. January 1979, the Vietnamese armed forces and the um, Kampuchean United Front for National Salvation captured the city capital again. Pol Pot ran.
0: Oh, okay. So wow.
1: Vietnam... And a united front that was fighting against the communists in Cambodia were like, we are here. We can finally do something. Fuck you.
0: Yeah. And Pol Pot
1: was like, peace. I'm going into <laughs> the jungle.
0: Yeah. And you're I'm not going to see me. Going into hiding, but I'm still running shit. Yeah.
1: Um, an estimated 90% of artists, intellectuals, and teachers were killed in uh. an or- in an effort to return the country to year zero. So in that first year, They killed the doctors, the leaders, Mm. the artists, the smart people, the teachers, anyone who was educated.
0: Yeah, because those are the people who who could teach other people not to believe this doctrine. Like, they're the the ones with the power. We killed the dissenters. Yeah. Also, again, we want a utopia, but we killed all the artists. Like, nope, I don't believe you, sir. I think that's not what you want.
1: (laughs) Because uh, one of my survivors is an artist oh, who shit. made it through. Wow. Okay. So by the time Paul Pot fell from power, um, the Yale University Cambodian Genocide Program gave an initial estimate that 1.7 million people, about 21% of the country's population, died between 1975 to 1979, but we will never know the true numbers they're still exhuming
0: graves. Of course. So the estimate
1: is around that 2 million mark.
0: But it could be way more and we don't know. And it's a quarter,
1: at least a quarter of the population.
0: That's so much. So much.
1: Yeah. Uh, They estimate there's as many as 19,000 mass graves across the country. And it's quoted by the Yale program that the Cambodian genocide was one of the worst human tragedies of the last century. What the fuck? I am drinking. Okay. Oh God. The fireball. Oh my God. (laughs)
0: <laughs> did, yeah, um, I'll try to calm down, but that is, I'm almost halfway. So, <laughs> one, two, skip a few, it's 1998. Okay, that is a few. You yeah. did
1: skip quite a few. Uh, so, there was a lot of back and forth from the UN and the powers that be of how to handle this. And if there should be trials or a tribunal. And what then- do you mean If. What do you mean, if? How to regain stability in Cambodia. So 1998, Pol Pot passed away. I think at the Ugh. age of 73.
0: Bye, motherfucker.
1: Um, That's too old. He comfortably.
0: comfortably oh, like great. On
1: the day that it was announced, he would be facing an international tribunal. Are you kidding? He was like, peace, actually. Yeah. I'm out. There are suspicions of either suicide or that he was poisoned,
0: which I would like to lean towards the poison Is it is it I mean, like is this like a Jeffrey Epstein thing? Like you can't now face a tribunal. We refuse to allow that to happen. You're going it's gonna be worse for us. Like it's is it's his own people killing him, maybe?
1: Yeah, there's theories that it was either his own people or that it was like descendants of people who died like but he did have a chance to remarry and like spent time with his grandchildren and like all this bullshit and he had a happy life I guess he should rot in hell
0: yeah like how dare you be happy even for a second
1: (laughs) but I will say 2009 um, Comrade Duke who we will be talking about later so remember that name Duke Duke Uh, He was the first Khmer Rouge leader to face a UN-backed Khmer Rouge tribunal Mm -hmm. and was sentenced to 35 years in jail, which then was later extended to life, even though he was very old.
0: Yeah. Uh, Too little, too late, but also, yeah, keep him. for Just keep him. Just keep him.
1: (laughs) 2014, two more Khmer Rouge leaders were sentenced to life in prison for crimes against humanity. But, you know, like I said, unsatisfying in terms of, like, prosecution.
0: We're now... It's kind of like I, was, like, I was talking to our friend about, like, the Golden State Killer. Mm. Like, how it's like, yeah, we found him. He's an old man now. And he'll die in prison. But, like, what does that mean when he lived so many years outside and was fine? It's the same. It's like, these people should have been put in prison immediately yeah. in, a, in a better world, yeah. you know? But instead, they got to live entire lives. And now they're old and we're punishing them. And the punishment is a good thing regardless. But, like, god damn it, it should have been so much... Right. Earlier. When it mattered. When it could have, when these people's lives didn't get to just like get lived out to their fullest extent. I'm glad that some people went on trial though.
1: Yeah. So this is my first spot for possible harp noise. Check in.
0: Okay. I am okay. Before we get into the
1: first survivor.
0: Yeah. I think like it's, I haven't heard the details of that, of like what happened to one person, which is, that's always the hard part. Um, is when it gets really personal and about somebody. Um, this is uh, fascinating in like a high level view of it. Um, so so far I'm okay, but this is about to suck. I'm yeah. guessing. Cool. All right.:
1: So our first survivor is Sarup M. And she now lives in Largo with her husband and has a health and nutrition business. Oh, wow. Okay. And is the co-founder and director of Christian Professional Network in Tampa Bay.
0: Oh, damn. And
1: was native to Cambodia and came to the U.S. in 1981.
0: She straight up moved from Cambodia to America, and yep. now she owns, like, a wellness yes. business. Hilarious. Anyway, that's yeah. the most American shit I've ever heard. Absolutely.
1: Um, so 1981, one year after escaping a different kind of killing fields... Oh, by having
0: people like plow and yeah, like do... forced
1: labor, yo. Yeah. So uh, she escaped where um, from a spot where she and thousands of other Cambodians were forced to work long hours in terrible conditions, battling very curable diseases like malaria and typhoid without medicine, treatment, or rest, or proper care.
0: Wow. While wow, they're just uh, like, they're like, create agrarian society for us. We're yeah. not going to help you no, in no, no. any way. You're just going to do yeah.
1: it. Wow, OK. Um, she did write a book talking about escaping the four years under the Khmer Rouge and it is called How I Survived the Killing Fields a story of hope love and determination oh wow this is the lighter of the stories sure oh interesting that you started on this you're so cruel a (laughs) quote oh god can you imagine how it is like to be stripped away from anything you own and be forced to get away from your house for forever that's what happened to me 40 years ago I mean god so April of 1975 uh, she was a college student in Phnom Penh, which is the capital city of Cambodia and had moved several hours from her mother who uh, had been paralyzed from an illness she was also away from her three younger brothers who were still living in her hometown of Batambang and again, these are all pronunciations I spent a very long time doing the thing on Google where you can like Hear play it. the thing and then you say it and it judges how you pronounced it back ah, nice so when she first heard the pops of gunfire, she thought it was just a part of the celebration of the Lunar New Year. Oh but no, but that wasn't it. No,
0: that's tragic. So she
1: was in Phnom Penh when the Khmer Rouge had taken control of the capital city. They shut down transportation and communication in and out of Phnom Penh. They closed the shops, the schools, churches, mosques, everything. Wow. And began evacuating the city. So she managed to find her uncle, who had served in the military. Mm-hmm. Together, they found an empty school building, and they barricaded themselves in and managed to stay there for a
0: day before wow. they were found. Good. I mean, good job. Good on Yeah, ya. they tried. Yeah.
1: Uh, quote, when we looked out the window, we saw the young people with black uniforms. They carried big guns, bigger than themselves. <laughs> they came door to door, and they said, get out, get out. Uh, they had managed to grab some clothes, pots and pans, and some rice, but outside, the rest of the city's population absolutely
0: filled the streets. Like they're literally, this is them forcing people out of yeah. cities in in huge yes. numbers. Holy she shit. said
1: there were millions of people. Everyone was out on the street, and it was hot. And we had a hard time moving because it was too crowded. Yeah, it took weeks for her and the
0: crowds to even just get out of the city limits. Like, they're moving, like, a foot a day just mm-hmm. as everyone leaves. That's yeah. nuts. They created a people traffic jam. Maybe think about it. I mean, yeah. not that and I want them to people were do dying this. as. Of course. So.
1: It's too hot. Yeah. So she unfortunately had her first experience with, like, the smell of death. Uh Which I will talk about again later. No, don't. What if you didn't? I'm going to. <laughs> Emily. Uh, I'm going to. Uh. Quote. All this time I was crying. I could not control myself. I could not stop crying. She said she was thinking of her mother and her baby brothers. And as the oldest daughter, she felt like she should be home helping them. Mm. Um, she was very lucky to still be alive
0: because she was a college student. And
1: sure. they were killing anyone. Who was educated.
0: Yeah, she's she's in that group, one of the groups that they would have just eradicated. She did.
1: And she had been raised to go to school. Like that was her whole thing, her
0: parents drilled into her. That's inf- that's fortunate for her as a yeah. woman, that they were like, you will be educated. Yes. That's nice.
1: She said, they discouraged me from knowing anything about being a farmer, because they said, it's the hard life. You need to stay in school and get a good job.
0: Wow. So,
1: like... They cared and they wanted her to better herself.
0: It's also crazy that like her parents live an agrarian lifestyle and asked her to avoid that and did not want that for her. And literally now what's being forced to happen is like she's leaving her place in the city and she's going to go farm. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. The irony. So twice
1: she volunteered for assignments that she thought were going to take her close to home. Like she literally thought like, hey- this is going to send me to a different part of the country. I could make it home. Right. I could see my family. Um, But the two assignments never got her closer to home.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, She became part of a group of about a thousand men and women who were guarded by armed men all day and night. They rang a bell to wake them up at 4 a.m. and then worked till sundown, often not being allowed to go to sleep until close to midnight. And then that just kept going.
0: The not enough sleep portion is Oh, yeah. Sleep deprivation. A, oh, yeah. That's so purposefully done. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, she said, I was thinking about running
0: away, but I didn't know where to go. They're probably also not being fed any protein. Oh, I'm going to uh, get to that.
1: Here we go. Great. Uh, the Khmer Rouge fed their workers very little tasteless food with not enough nutrition.
0: It's rice. It's literally it's rice. It's like porridge. Like, it's like watered rice. N- yes. There's no way it's better than yeah.
1: that. And... I'll talk about this later, but in one of the interviews with one of my other survivors, he said you could hold up the spoon and count the grains of rice. Like it was so little. Wow. Shit was real bad. They couldn't bathe themselves with sober shampoo, Ugh. so they just bathed in the river,
0: just hoping yeah. they got they got somewhat clean. In Unsurprisingly, just surprisingly, like
1: everyone got sick.
0: Pretty oh, quickly. from the river?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What are from, they doing? Like stream-o? dirty water and shit, and yeah. like all that stuff. Uh So she does come down with malaria first. Oh, God. And then she got typhoid. That's really bad. Oh, my God. Uh, Neither of which are fun. No. Uh, Symptoms of malaria for anyone who doesn't know include fever and flu-like illness, Mm -hmm. shaking, chills, headache, muscle aches, tiredness, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, can also cause anemia and jaundice. Because of the loss of red blood cells. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, that's a long-term effect. Typhoid is weakness, stomach pain, headaches, diarrhea, or constipation, depending on the day. And they're still making you work. Yep. I'm sure. And cough and loss of appetite. Ugh. And both illnesses can and do still kill people every yes. year. Yes. Uh, she described her experience with typhoid as a sickness that infected her intestines. It swelled her body and made it hard to breathe. 'Cause I'm sure her body was also already in shock and trying to retain Ugh. fluid and anything else it could nutrient wise mm-hmm. to fight this. So she's just like
0: bloated yes. up. Yes.
1: So the lack of nutrition gave her night blindness.
0: She like couldn't see yeah, she and just, in the dark. Yeah. That's she was losing can't. her vision. Oh which, god. Yeah. Yeah, sure. No, you need nutrition to maintain the things It's wild in your what body. your body
1: will do. Yeah. To save the vital organs. It's,
0: yeah, it's going to shut down your extremity yep. shit first.
1: <laughs> uh, so she still had to work until sundown. Oh. And when she was incapable of work, she was finally moved to an infirmary. which So they can resuscitate you well, and then you can go again. Uh, no. No? It was a hospital without medication or doctors. What the fuck Because they killed all the doctors. So
0: this is just a place for people to lie down and if die. they can't do anything. Yeah. And they, yeah. be
1: out of the way. Wow. Uh, she said, people die almost every day around me. And like, she's a college student. She was. She's young. Young and desperate to see her family. That's like got to be like the, and, the will to survive. Yeah, it was literally her only motivation to stay alive was that she, she could go home and see them. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they put her in that hospital that wasn't really a hospital, <laughs> she said, now my life is about to end and I can't do anything about my own life. I can't help myself. Yeah. So when she was in the infirmary, she told herself ancient stories her mother used to tell her about Buddha, and like started like thinking about her relationship with religion and God. Because hmm. also this is Cambodia, there were a lot of missionaries that came over, spreading the word of the
0: Lord and sure. converting people to Christianity. So she's she's heard so, about yeah. Buddhism is like the thing, yeah. But she's but also she was very
1: compassionate about like god and like this bigger and more compassionate version of him who sent angels to help children and women who were abused by bad people that god would save her
0: i mean there's the reason why christianity is so pervasive like yes. it's it's comforting it's hugely comforting when yeah. you're going through something bad
1: absolutely yeah um so she said at night when everyone else went to sleep i sit up and i prayed every night i prayed to god god please help me to live so she did that for months and finally, one night, she said she felt a little pulse of energy. Huh. And she was able to run. Whoa. And she ran from the infirmary.
0: So she just she just got the fuck out of there because they expect people to lay there and die. Yeah. So there's probably not that much security. No. Wow. Good um, for her. Holy unfortunately, shit.
1: Unfortunately, she didn't get far. Ugh. She was intercepted by a, quote, night leader. I was about to be so happy. Um, Jesus Christ. But there was... There's a slight light here mm-hmm. because that night leader... Was compassionate, which is dangerous. Yeah. And gave her lighter work due to her illness and then eventually told her to go work in the kitchen, which put her out of the sun. Yeah. She had access to more nutrition. I bet that's a big fucking deal to be put in the kitchen. She finally began to recover. And once she was healthy enough, she was eventually kicked back out into the fields. Sure. So for almost four years, she worked in the fields. Of her group of a 1,000, only about 250 had survived.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, they're all worked
1: literally to death. Yes. She made another escape with a small group, knowing, like, they would be shot on sight. And the next morning, they realized that they'd made
0: it. So she got out with a small group. And, like, no one came after them. And after a while, you just have to... Yeah. Recognize slowly that you're not going to be shot at any second, which I'm yes. sure is like a really tough thing. So it took her a very, very long
1: time to get back to her hometown. Um, and she found it destroyed, unsurprisingly. Yeah. And she said populated by different people. So she then had to go track down her family. And she was so skinny that they didn't recognize her.
0: Whoa. So she did find that. Yeah. But she looks completely different. Her mother only recognized her by her forehead. What? <laughs> What's up with your forehead? <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> I'd be like, Mom, what the fuck? That's like, like a mom thing. Yeah, there's some feature. Of That's you. my baby's forehead. Yeah. it's just like mine. I hate my forehead. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: she is quoted as saying, "I made it through this ordeal and I found my family. That's why it's so important that we have a goal in mind. I may be weak outside, but inside, I was strong, and I had the love of my family."
0: That's some really good advice. Is like the just she focused on a one goal of seeing her family again. Yeah, like that's why she made it. That's and she said
1: she wasn't sure of her own strength and wasn't sure if it would have been enough to help her survive. And yet it did, and And she did reinforced religion for her, because she was convinced that God protected her when they were running. So. And she sat
0: up and prayed all those nights yep. and didn't die and like that's yeah. And that's
1: also another thing that's very reassuring for people and we see it a lot in survivor stories there was a higher power protecting me through mm-hmm. this.
0: When you have almost no power yourself and you're yes. just taking risks because you have to like it's it's comforting to know to feel like something is looking out for you. Yeah. It's not just dumb luck that yeah. you make it or don't. Yeah, uh I, I get it. Let's Harp noise. I think that's fair. I think this is a good spot for it. I'm... Because I'm going to be talking about S21,
1: the most effective prison
0: in Cambodia. No, thank you. Yeah, we are going to harp noise. I'm also just going to drink this fire. Okay. Not all of it, but some of it. Okay. Oh, God. I can't open it. <laughs> all
1: right. If... You are having a rough day. This is the time to drop
0: out. Yeah, fair. You thank can you. come back to it later when you're better Yeah, you can, can come back spot. to it later. But, like, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank
1: you. Goodbye. <laughs> you should be a little
0: bit, like, <laughs> you should never uh, forget your can of whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks. Fill in your own blanks. Thanks for being here. All right. Our next two survivors.
1: Chum Mei and Bao Meng. So Tuol Slang is Cambodia's most notorious prison f- during the genocide. Okay. Uh, okay. Code named S twenty one. It used to be a school and then was converted into an interrogation center. As if it's like public school, like PS twenty one.
0: Except it's now now yep. it's prison. Gross.
1: And was converted into an interrogation center on the orders of Pol Pot, uh, in nineteen seventy five.
0: Interrogation center. Great. Mm-hmm. So torture.
1: Yes. Torture zone. Yes. And. It was bad. Yeah. It was very bad. I would believe. That. Um, At least 12,000 people were tortured there and murdered.
0: That sucks. No one wants that. No one wants to hear that.
1: Only a handful of prisoners survived. I can't even imagine. So this is... I need it's, you... It's
0: four years, right? To... Yeah. Try and guess a number of survivors. I have the number. So 12,000 people moved through there. Yes. And were tortured and murdered. I'm going to say, like, something ridiculous, like less than 100 uh, I'm gonna say like 78 15 no Emily no that's way that's way worse that's way fucking worse 15 people 15 survived 15 people survived total yes. and you said 12,000 moved through that place yes and were killed they had a 99% kill rate that's the highest kill rate I've ever fucking heard of for anything yep like Auschwitz higher than have Auschwitz that kill yeah. rate yeah That's so shitty, dude. What the fuck? Yeah.
1: Now, I don't have this in the notes, but it's important to know. So the layout of the prison, they had interrogation rooms that had metal beds that had chains and things attached to them. There were also cells that were built either out of wood or out of stone that were very narrow and long. It was barely big enough for somebody to lay down. Oh, Lord. There were also just rooms with... There's these, like, cement L's that have been inserted into the floors that have then, like, the chain hooks.
0: Oh. So they'd have
1: a room of, like, 30 to 60 people all just
0: chained to the floor. Uh, chained around this this yeah. L of yeah. concrete. Yeah. Next to each other. Yep. Oh, God. Jesus Christ.
1: And then there was space outside for torture. Oh, There's sure. Yeah. A
0: courtyard. I, you did leave space for your torture. Like, how, where are you yeah. going to torture people?
1: And the one thing I will say for, like, the shit that happened, it was all very, very bad. Like, you think the Spanish Inquisition was bad.
0: And I do. They... This is much worse. Yes. No one expects Uh, the Cambodian Inquisition.
1: No. And they were known for doing a lot of really heinous things. Uh An example... Okay. <laughs> I don't want an example. What if I, do- what this if I said, I don't moment, want ex- I'm going to say this is an example, and you can skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this. I'm going to talk very fast, kay. starting now. They used to interrogate people by tying their hands behind their back and then suspending them on a hook. No, thank you. And then when they would pass out, they'd dunk their heads in these bins that they had outside, but it was full of everyone's feces and urine. That is medieval shit. Yes. And then they'd put them back up on the hooks and try and force them to confess to things. Oh! And and you would confess. You would. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. So, 99% survival rate. Or, sorry. Flip that. I wish. That was wishful thinking. Unfortunately, 99% kill rates. Yeah. And our two survivors do still go back there every day because it has now been turned into a genocide museum. And they give tours and they've written a book that they can sell there
0: and meet with people. This is the part I remember you telling me yes. about last night when we were chilling. Is that these human, they, both of them? They choose to go back. Go back on yes. purpose every day. And there are
1: pictures of them sitting in the cells that they used to have to be in.
0: I and can't like, even imagine. One
1: of the pictures like has a banner behind him that says
0: survivor. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. That's really awesome, actually. Um, I am holding onto this bottle of Fireball like it's a <laughs> fucking blanket. Like I, I, but, like, like, I need this. The
1: thing that I take away from it is like they sit down and they're willing to sign the books and you're encouraged to take a business card and sit down with them for a photograph and talk to them because they want
0: people to know. Because they never want to see this happen. Like this is what they're doing for a living now is that they are just professionally survivors of this thing to educate people about it. Uh Uh-huh. That's fucking epic. Good Uh, for them. I'm drinking. (laughs) So are you. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, About
1: quoted as saying The important thing is to document what happened here. I want people around the world to go home and tell their fan their families and friends about the genocide of the Khmer people graphic moment i will warn for it so we're gonna talk about chum first okay um and he was a mechanic and he was working for the khmer rouge and that's the thing about s21 that we're gonna get into oh and then he was arrested on october 28th of 1978 and taken straight to s21 he's literally on their team yes and they arrested him and he him. was not told why Oh god. Um he said I was blindfolded and my hands were tied behind my back. I pleaded with my captors to let my family know where I was. We'll smash you all. Is all he was told in response. Okay. So upon arrival, he was measured and photographed and then stripped down and then shackled to the floor in the cell that he then goes back to. So people are naked in these yes. situations a lot of the time. Yes. That's awful. Of course, to Control. dehumanize and yes. yeah. He says, after that, I cried because I felt so hopeless and confused. In the 12 days that followed, he was taken from his cell three times a day and tortured in one of the interrogation rooms. Mm. Okay. This Mm. is not the light. Okay. I'm going to say 45 seconds. So. Okay. Now, two guards took turns beating him with a stick that was covered in twisted wire. And gross. Eventually, they pulled out his big toenail.
0: Oh, the toe. I he, can't do nails.
1: I will save you guys. He does get very graphic with the descriptions. Yeah. I'm not doing that. That was hard enough for me to go through. Mm-hmm. He says, I could tolerate the pain of being beaten and having my toenail pulled out, but it was the electric shocks I was terrified of. Oh, God. They administered by placing electrodes inside his ears. So he is now deaf in one ear as a result. Inside his ears. Inside his ears. And he hears the sound of rushing water whenever he moves his head. They also were known for dumping alcohol on open wounds, including when they pulled out fingernails and toenails. Oh. Uh, He said it felt like my eyes were on fire and my head was a machine. After that, I started telling them whatever they wanted to hear. Yes. Because I didn't know what was right or wrong anymore.
0: Right. Yes. That's it that's it I I would actually say that was roughly exactly 45 way to go
1: now they wouldn't tell him why he was here until they started torturing him and he found out most of the people who were in those cells at S21 were Khmer Rouge people what the fuck And their families that had been accused of collaborating with foreign governments or spying for the CIA or
0: KGB. So this was specifically a torture chamber for their own people. Yes. Because they 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 were so paranoid and didn't trust their own people. Mm Mm-hmm. But also imagine the tactic that is, because there's people then who work there, who yep. see what happens to someone who and is just accused, about that. just accused yes. like of, of uh-huh. commiserating with somebody else. Chum had never heard of the CIA before. Uh, never. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's fair. Some people live their whole lives and don't know the U.S. does a whole yes. thing. So yeah, I get it. They knew
1: U.S. was bad from bombings, but yeah. they didn't know the specifics of our fucking... Why would they? No. So... But after 10 days of torture, which was three times a day, oh my God. he confessed to being a secret agent for the US. It's like, yeah, like, sure, whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. OK. Sure. Um, he said, if those guards hadn't tortured a false confession out of me, they would have been executed.
0: Those guards would have been executed. They have to get this done. Yes. This is the most dangerous place to be a Khmer Rouge person. Yes.
1: And he says specifically, I can't say I would
0: have behaved any differently in their position. I mean, I guess yeah i mean there's like a there's like a tears of terror everyone has everybody who's torturing you has reason to torture you Mm -hmm. and to do it as effectively as possible because they might die and then the people who might be murdering them might have the same exact reasoning they might die if they don't do this killing yeah like that everybody Mm -hmm. is afraid one of the museum guides
1: uh was quoted because i watched a bunch of tours and things and very sad it's all very sad and very heavy. Mm-hmm. So this took me like two weeks because yeah, I did yeah, it yeah. in small bursts. So true. So a quote is, the regime was a breeding ground of paranoia. Soldiers would grow to know too much, and then they themselves would be subjected to torture and death. So prison guards had to prove that they could kill and torture someone else. Otherwise, they ran the risk of becoming prisoners. Yes. But they couldn't know too much. Otherwise, they ran the risk of becoming
0: prisoners. Like, people are doomed there. Yep. Fucking ridiculous.
1: So, Bao Meng was also a Khmer Rouge supporter and had been an artist by trade and had actually painted some of the early propaganda posters. The
0: fuck? Like, that's your people. Oh, my God. I'm no. going to walk out of my house yeah. and I'm just going to go stand in this street that's fair. for a while. Hey, I think. I'm on the last page. Okay, great. Right. Is it the worst page of your entire thing? Bao Meng was
1: married, and his wife mm-hmm. uh, Ma Yuan was a midwife. Oh God! But only Bao was deemed worth saving, and he did some art of what he imagined happened to her. Oh
0: not- no, good. No,
1: that's not an interesting way to process it to you. Yeah, <laughs> it's very sad. Oh. Um, But he like got emotional in this interview and he said, why couldn't they keep her alive too? She only ever looked after people.
0: Yeah. Like she was a, she was another medical professional.
1: Yeah. So Bao was also questioned and beaten and tortured mm. and he showed the scars on his back and he's also deaf in one ear because of the torture.
0: I can't believe they put them in people's ears. That's yeah. so fucked.
1: So, Beau went under several months of interrogation, and he finally gave a false confession of being part of the CIA network. I can't believe he lasted that long. And was forced to name other collaborators. Oh, no. Uh, He said painting portraits saved his life. Uh, Prison chief Comrade Duke, remember him? Yeah. Found out he was an artist. And told him he needed to reproduce a black and white photograph of Pol Pot.
0: They're like, we need more propaganda fuel. Yep.
1: And that if Duke didn't like it, he would have Bao killed. So Bao took three months to finish the painting and did an incredible job.
0: I mean, literally his life is on the line. So,
1: D's And it looked very much like the photo. Like, they have comparisons of it. Wow. And the image of Pol Pot that gets used is, like, this black and white photo. That's what he recreated. Wow. And half the times, the image that's used in, like, documents and stuff is the
0: painting. Wow. Because it
1: looks so much like the photo.
0: That's incredible.
1: Duke then requested large portraits of Karl Marx. Lenin, And then Mao Zedong, who was the father of the People's Republic of China, for anyone who doesn't know who that is. And then he commissioned several more of Pol Pot, obviously.
0: Sure. Leader. Just keep drawing our yeah. leader. Very Thank North very Korea of you. Yes. He was doing that anyway. That's the thing that bothers me. He was already doing that yep. as an artist and a propagandist for their literal yep. movement before he was tortured. They yep. could have changed nothing about his mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. They decided they Mm -hmm. needed him. Mm -hmm. This is so Uh, lame.
1: They did also tell him to draw the Vietnamese communist leader, Ho Chi Minh, standing on a rooftop in the middle of a big storm.
0: Just so he looks badass? Like, what the fuck anime shit is that? (laughs) (laughs) Look. And his response to that is like,
1: I don't know why they needed these paintings, and I wasn't going to ask. Seriously, where are they just, hanging
0: right now? Because I bet you anything, it's like, they just gave a bunch of them yeah. to Pol Pot, and were like, do you like this? And he was like, yeah, put that over there. Yeah.
1: They're <laughs> like, yeah. just
0: in his house.
1: I mean, he's got all these abandoned cities now. I mean, yeah. <sighs> so Duke kept Xume alive because he could fix typewriters. So this was our mechanic. And oh. the typewriters is what was used in the interrogation room. You'd have two interrogators sitting down with the person they're interrogating, typing um, out their confession. Wow. He also fixed sewing machines, which were then used to make thousands of the black Khmer Rouge
0: uniforms. I mean, yeah, he made himself incredibly useful. Here's a bit of the light. It's sad still.
1: Because it's an opportunity I think a lot of people want to have. And it's a very common thing when you get impact statements in court where you're facing someone who murdered someone you loved. Mm -hmm. So in 2009, both men were able to testify at a UN-backed war crimes tribunal against Duke. And they do say that it helped bring them some closure and some solace.
0: That's good. That's really good. And yeah, so
1: Bao did go back in in the 1980s to try and look for his wife's photo Mm -hmm. as well as his own. Unfortunately, this is not the light, guys. Mm. This is not the light. Unfortunately, Bao's two young children were also among those who died from disease.
0: Mm. And
1: during the tribunal, he learned that his wife probably was in a mass grave.
0: Mm. Like she was taken out to one of the fields and killed there.
1: Uh, He says, I see her here in front of us right now. And that he would very much like to be able to visit her grave and say prayers over her bones, which, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, testifying at the trial, he asked one question of Duke. Mm-hmm. He asked where his wife was killed. And Duke wasn't able to answer that. No. He, he, he killed
0: 12,000 fucking people. He has no idea. Yeah. Which is so upsetting that it's like you could oversee so many killings that you can't answer that. Yeah.
1: Chum never found his own photo as well. Only a copy of his confession and a list of prisoners, and next to his name was a note to keep for a while. Jeez. Um his wife remained alive until 1979. This is also sad. Aww. Uh Vietnam troops captured the capital city, signaling the end of the Khmer Rouge's grasp on the country. Sure. Obviously it's very like history repeats itself because when troops liberated Auschwitz it caused a panic. Mhm. Same thing happened at S21. Mm. Word came down that this capital city had been reclaimed. And the guards from S21 took prisoners and fled into suburbs awaiting orders. Oh shit. Chumay was able to reunite with his wife. Mhm. And a newborn son. They give no information on like anything else really, mm-hmm. other than he was the only one who survived the so, fight between
0: Khmer Rouge and
1: opposition forces when they finally so came to S twenty one.
0: And son are killed in in the ensuing sort of re takeover of the country.
1: Yeah, Ugh. sadly, much like Bao, he also had lost other children. He lost his three year old son to a fever during the forced evacuation of the capital city oh, because that yeah. was awful right and his two daughters disappeared while he was in s21 and he never got any information about them he just doesn't know no oh
0: my god so that's i will hard. end on this this is
1: this is it uh, this is it this is the end we fucking made it you and me hey listener we made it together Bao and chum both remarried And they did have more children. Mm -hmm. Choom's grandchildren often accompany him to the prison and spend time playing in the courtyard.
0: Oh, that's nice. Which
1: I think is beautiful, and I understand there is a certain respect that needs to be given to these sites. Mm -hmm. But when a victim's family can find a source of joy
0: there, it's healing. You have to let that happen. It's like kids playing at a funeral like they don't they don't understand and they shouldn't have to no they're kids so like just let them be children because other people didn't get to be children
1: yes from chum Mm -hmm. visiting every day brings me closer to the victims in those photographs i feel their presence here and our responsibility to tell the world what happened
0: I truly cannot imagine going back there. I no. think that's nuts. Uh, and, like, really good for both of them. I hope they're, do they, like, are they friends? Like, does mm-hmm. it mention yeah, that they. Yeah, they're there
1: every day together. That's nice. Yeah, they like, have each
0: other. Sometimes they can look and just be like, you are the only person here who understands. But you do understand. And that's, like, not lonely.
1: Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm glad they were both able to remarry. Mm-hmm. Right. And they've got families. They
0: still have families.
1: The people in that area all lived through
0: it. So my guess is they remarried to someone who understood. Has something going. Yeah. That generation of people does not go unaffected. It's nuts to me that that generation of people is alive. Yeah. Like this wasn't that long ago. No. They're all, they're grandparents. They're getting up there. But they're alive right now and they're all dealing with it. Uh, I think we should thank these beautiful people. Yes, thank you for coming along on this journey. Yeah. It's been a it's been a rough one, but I also think you're right. It's like important that we've we've heard this stuff and I think you gave the appropriate amount of like warnings to people. So tried you're if you're still with us thank you even if you had to skip through some stuff thank you so much for being here i think you should be um you should be like the people who stopped everything in search for casey yeah i, mean, I want to say you should be like casey but he was like a three yeah so i mean maybe don't get saved by a bear in the woods maybe don't get saved by a bear and get lost in the woods and almost die um i think you should absolutely 100 be by, like emily's three Sarup and choom and bow Yeah, I think you should be a lot like these are three of the more resilient people I've heard of. Like one of them moved to America and started a business. The other two are literally, literally reliving their own trauma every day and wrote a book. Yeah, those are those are three uh, really strong and incredible people that we should. They want you to learn, and you should learn. Yes, and you should learn for sure. Learn from their experiences, so you don't have to experience it. Yes. Learn to honor them because yes. that's what they deserve. You, listener, however, you should never, ever, 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 ever forget your can of. I'm going to say gasoline on this one. Mm- this one's fucking a gasoline. gasoline. 100% this is a gasoline episode. You're right. You're 100% yeah. right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Goodbye.